Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. Hey, welcome to 2021, my friends. Thank you so much for being here on the Smart Passive Income Podcast. And I couldn't be more thrilled to invite our special guest on to kick off the year with us because this is, in fact, a podcaster, a personality, an expert on a topic that I care about deeply. And this is somebody who I listen to literally every single day. I have a lot of people ask me, Pat, what podcasts do you subscribe to? This is the literally the only one that I have to listen to. In fact, when I get a notification that this person comes out with a new episode, unless I'm with my family, I'm literally dropping everything to listen to the episode. This person has helped account for several six figures worth of income coming into my family. This person has accounted for me feeling very good about situations that perhaps had me reeling a little bit and had me very worried. And I'm talking none other than about Rob Maurer from the Tesla Daily Podcast. Yes, a daily podcast, which is interesting because it's audio first, but where do I consume it? I actually watch it on YouTube. And his YouTube channel, again, from an audio first podcast, he just repurposes it on YouTube, has gained over 100,000 subscribers at this point and tens of thousands of views within hours after publishing new episodes. And Rob's got an amazing story. And this was, uh, you know, it's... (laughs) The interesting thing about Rob is he actually discovered me a while back before he got started, and now I've recently discovered him, and I listen to him daily now. It's just been really cool, and I'm just really excited about this episode because I'm, number one, just thrilled to have this conversation with Rob. He's such a down-to-earth, humble dude, and his work ethic is just incredible, and I hope that this inspires you. I don't want you to think that you have to do a daily thing, though. You don't have to do a daily podcast or a daily YouTube video, and he'll share more about his productivity schedule and how he stays on top of things and things like that. But I'm just so inspired by Rob. And again, like I said, he's accounted for several six figures of income coming in because of the knowledge and the investigation and the research that he does and how he reports it. I am, full disclosure, a, first of all, I have driven a Tesla since 2016, got very interested in the company as a driver, and then an investor, I'm an investor in the company, I'm holding long, and I'm excited to chat about this. We're not gonna get into investments and into strategies for stock market. This is growing a brand, showing up, making pivots when necessary, and even sacrifices 
Rob going full-time with this eventually. We're gonna uncover that story and more and learn about his growth on YouTube and as a podcaster right after the intro. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, if he could play any character in any movie, it would be Marty McFly, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here. Welcome to 2021 and session 455 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And we're gonna kick off the year with a great one. And again, I'm so, so stoked that I got to chat with somebody who I listen to daily. And here he is, Rob Maurer from Tesla Daily. Rob, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Hey, Pat, thanks for having me. Really excited to talk to you. You know, you are in my ear every single day now with Tesla Daily, your podcast. I actually watch it on video, although I know you have an audio show as well. I want to go back into the history of the Tesla Daily podcast because I know you quit your job to do this full time. And there's so many ins and outs I want to get into about just how you do what you do. I think this is going to be really inspiring to people. But let's let's go into your origin story. Tell me about the early days and where Tesla Daily, in fact, came from. Yeah, so I've been a Tesla investor since early 2013, mid-2013, and you know, kind of became obsessed with the company. I just <laughs> spent hours every single day after work sort of reading about the company, finding you know different forums to post on and discuss with people, and started out with a small investment. Over time, it just became a bigger and bigger part of my portfolio and a bigger part of my personal interests, uh, just because I saw how disruptive the company was. It's really fascinating stuff. I've always been interested in sort of the overlap between business and technology and just had a natural interest in investing. So I don't know, I just became really fascinated with the company and it just started becoming a bigger and bigger part of my life. And I don't know how long you followed Tesla for, but around, you know, middle of the decade in 2015 to, you know, 20, you know, really up to now, probably the last year or so, the media coverage hasn't really been the best. You would see articles in mainstream media publications like CNBC or Bloomberg that they would have details about Tesla, but oftentimes a lot of missing context or just, you know, I don't want to go as far as saying poor reporting, but just not telling really the full story, which for someone that was, you know, spending hours a day researching about Tesla, it was just frustrating. And mm -hmm. this would happen so often. So a great example of this would be like, there would be an accident and a Tesla would catch fire in that accident. And CNBC would obviously cover that. And there would never be any information about like the frequency of fires in electric vehicles. So it was like, oh my gosh, this electric vehicle caught fire. This technology is never going to work. But if you actually just spend like, you know, five minutes doing the actual research, the frequency of fires in a Tesla is like 10% of what it would be in an internal combustion engine vehicle. So from a fire perspective, it's, it's much safer. So stuff as simple as that. And when those articles from CNBC would come out, you know, the stock would drop five or 10% and it just became frustrating. You know, I had a lot of friends investing in Tesla. They'd always text me and be like, what's going on? Do I need to sell my stock? And I just be like, no, like here's the context. So sort of simultaneously to that happening, I was to the point in my research where I felt like I wasn't quite learning as much about the company and I could probably be, you know, putting my time to better use. So I felt like, all right, well, I'm frustrated by this. Let me go out and try to help people contextualize this. There's always so much Tesla news. I'll just start this podcast and, you know, try to help people understand it. That was really the, the essence of the idea. And then the other reason I chose to do Tesla daily as kind of a daily podcast was because at that point in time, like I was really 
really driven and motivated in my career. And I felt like the thing that was going to hold me back in my progression to where I wanted to be long-term was my speaking ability. And I'd been reading at the time a lot about like neuroplasticity, the ability of the brain to actually, you know, physically reform itself based on what it's doing. And I was like, okay, well, I've spent my entire life sitting in a classroom, like listening and reading. Obviously I'm not going to be a great talker speaker. So I need to, you know, do this more often so I can actually rewire my brain to be strong at that. Like I need to work it out, work out that skill set. So that was why I chose to do it daily. I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll be speaking every single day. That'll build up that, you know, those neural connections and I'll be a better speaker and that'll help me advance in my career. And obviously since then things have taken a different turn, it has helped <laughs> me advance in my career, but my career is now different than it was before. So those were kind of the things that, you know, generated the idea. I just felt like there was, there were some podcasts on Tesla out at the time, but not as focused on sort of the, the business. And that was really what I was, was missing. So. That's really cool. I can definitely attest to what a podcast, and I, I do one weekly, I do a couple weekly, can do for communication. And to do one daily, obviously, that just exponentially grows things. I've seen something similar happen by going live on YouTube every day. Just the ability to come up with stuff on the fly has become a lot yeah. easier. And I think that is definitely because of just the continual practice of that. When you started your podcast, I want to know what was going through your head with getting the tech set up and like just a lot of times people have a lot of things to say, but then immediately they go, well, there's a brick wall. I don't know how to do this or technology is hard or there's just so much involved with that. What kept you going? What drove you to actually follow through and continue to do this daily? I'm kind of laughing here because it, honestly, you were a big part of that. Like I, I had listened to the SBI podcast quite a few times around this period of time where I was having this idea to even start a podcast. And I would say your you know journey has had inspired me a lot at that point in time. When I started the podcast, I never had any ambitions of like, this is going to be a full-time thing for me. You know, I thought maybe I can make a little bit of money to eventually help me afford a Tesla. I never thought it could be something that would sustain me or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that was not my motivation. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to take this and, you know, make a lot of income from like my side hustle here. It was really just trying to, you know, spread good information, improve myself through this process. So in terms of actually the technical challenges of starting the podcast, like there's so much information out there available, you know, whether it's a podcast, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on somebody's blog, just to like help you walk through those steps. And, you know, we're so fortunate to live in an age where there's people out there sharing that information just because they want to help people do what they do. You're a perfect example of that. Like I watched your videos on like how to set up a podcast, how to set up like Bluehost to have my website. And then like, how to you know publish from my website to all these different podcast feeds and stuff like that. So honestly, I had the idea. I was I was on like an eight, nine hour drive and I was listening. I, I searched for some Tesla podcasts. I've, I found a few. Some of them are really, really good podcasts, but again, just not necessarily as updated as I was hoping for or as business focused as I hoped for. So I was like, all right, I'll do this. You know, after that, I after that trip, I drove home and I just kind of sat down. I made my logo. I watched some videos and within, you know, 72 hours, probably 48 to 72 hours. Like my podcast was there. I recorded that Sunday and published it on, you know, Sunday night. And that was it. That's the, that was the podcast. I did it straight for like the next hundred weekdays. And it's, yeah, it's just, you know, it just all sort of happened really quickly, but the motivation was there just to, you know, just to make it happen. Like that's, that's what it was. Yeah. And obviously you being able to help other people who are also frustrated. And I started to notice the same thing too. I really started following Tesla after getting my Model X and just really falling in love with the vehicle. I know this is a very 
common use case. Somebody drives in one and then all of a sudden they're obsessed with a company. I, I follow that too. And then I started to invest right. in it as well, which is then when I found you. So first of all, just really trippy to hear you say that you were listening to me because I now listen to you every single day, <laughs> Rob. You and Stephen Mark Ryan and a few other people who are in the Tesla community on YouTube. Did your podcast start out as an audio podcast or a video podcast or was it both at the same time? Yeah, so it was audio. So basically what I would do every day is I would just sort of record, you know, five, 10 minutes of my thoughts before I would go to work in the morning. Mm. So I'd get up, you know, maybe five, five thirty, and I had done sort of most of my research the night before and then just kind of caught up on some things that maybe had happened overnight. And then I just turn on the mic. And, you know, for me, I'm a perfectionist. So it it takes a long time to like I don't think people understand like how long some of this stuff takes sometimes. Like initially my podcasts are five or 10 minutes, but you know, there's hours of research that goes into it. And then there's hours of production that goes into it. Like I was turning things out really quickly and it's just an audio podcast, a relatively low production, but you know, that would still take me an hour, hour and a half to get that, you know, five, 10 minute episode out on top of all the research. So that was sort of what I originally did. I didn't have any time in my day. Like I, I was working when I started the podcast again, just as audio I was doing my full-time job. The commute was like 45 minutes. I was there for nine hours. So I'm you know, away from my home for 11 hours a day, 10 hours a day, whatever the case is. And then the rest of my day, I would pretty much be working on the podcast. So I was working probably 80-hour weeks for, I don't know, two years maybe, just trying to get this audio podcast out. And you know, the growth in the podcast sustained me. My belief in you know, what I was doing from a mission perspective sustained me. But it just became really, really tough to continue to do that for such a long period of time where I got to this like inflection point of I need to either not do this podcast anymore because I'm making too many personal sacrifices or mm-hmm. I need to like really actually fully do this podcast. And it's it's sort of similar to your story. I definitely didn't get laid off like what was your example was, but there was a lot of change. So I worked in corporate retail, obviously not the best market with Amazon just sort of dominating that whole sector. So there wasn't a lot of growth. It was tough to progress like I had wanted to progress. And the company offered this voluntary buyout opportunity. So it was like, if you've been here a certain number of years, we will, you know, if you want, no questions asked, whoever wants to take it, they can take this voluntary buyout. So it's like, you know, a few weeks of pay and like a little small bonus. And if you take it, then like no hard feelings, like it's you're, you resign and you get the small bonus. So this was like occurring right when I was at this inflection point of like, this is just way too much for me to handle. I don't want to drop the podcast. I really care about my career, but I need to sort of make a choice. And that just sort of happened right at that period of time where I was like, okay, I have this opportunity, like might as well just take this and see what happens with it. So that was in August of 2019. So a little over a year ago now where I decided to really commit to this, do this full time. And that was when I, a few months after that was when I started adding the YouTube component of it. So switched over from just doing audio to it's really still an audio podcast, but I do a lot of, you know, graphics and charts and things to try to add to it, add value to the people that are watching the videos. So I've been doing that for, you know, probably have like a couple hundred episodes now on on YouTube. And that's been just phenomenal. Like it's, you know, my audience is 10x just from in the last year just from doing YouTube. Because with podcasting, there's no algorithm pushing your content to anyone. They just have to find it. Like they just have to happen across it. Someone Mm -hmm. tells them, their friend tells them, or they happen to search for like Tesla. If they don't do that, they're never going to see it. Versus on YouTube, you know, if they watch one Tesla video, well, YouTube is going to know that and they're just going to continue to push Tesla content to them. And eventually, you know, one of my videos might slide in there. There's a lot of Tesla content out there, but 
you know, hopefully someone finds my content. They, you know, they like the thumbnail, they click on it, then, you know, they, they like what they hear and they end up subscribing. And that's just been extremely helpful with, you know, growing the podcast, which going back to my original purpose of starting the podcast was really to get good information out there. So that's super well aligned with what I'm trying to do. Just grow the audience, get more people to understand this. And I, I think that's been, you know, helpful to a lot of people. Yeah, the YouTube play, obviously very smart and not always possible for some people because unless you include those visuals, like you said you do, it's not really worth watching at all. And you don't have to have the video camera on. In fact, you hardly ever show your face on those yeah. videos. It's simply B-roll and some images and charts and stuff. And this is, I actually use your podcast quite often as an example for somebody who starts with an audio podcast, turns it into video but still having to do a little bit extra work. How much extra work does it take to take that audio file and add video? Can you work through that sort of workflow and and timing? It's a ton. So originally I was doing all this stuff myself. Like I've always, you know, the audio podcast, it's always just been me doing, Mm -hmm. you know, all the research, the recording, the editing, the publishing, everything. And starting out on YouTube, it was the exact same. So I was already spending probably a full day working on just the audio podcast because it became more robust actually after I, after I actually took it full time, just in terms of the research and the length of the episodes and stuff. So then trying to add YouTube onto that, you know, you get done. Basically my process is to just record my audio podcast and then I put that into Premiere Pro and I just, you know, add things to it to make it more, more interesting, to make it more mm-hmm. valuable, to make it more informative, whether that's charts or B-roll or whatever. And that can, you know, it adds a lot of time. People, again, I don't think really understand like how long editing takes. It's, it's not like the most difficult thing. It's just extremely time intensive. And if you want to, how long? I, I, I I want people. I know you're. I know you might share this with your audience too. And your audience needs to know how much hard work you put into this because I think we take for granted just all the amazing research and the time and the effort that you put in. So just tell us, like, honestly, how long does that take you to do? End to end. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know. Like uh, the thing about being an entrepreneur is like, you just kind of just work all the time. Like there's- <laughs> This is true. This is true. <laughs> like I'll get up and immediately I just start reading about Tesla. So it's like, I'm just on the clock, I guess, if you want to put it that way, immediately. When I go to bed, I'm reading about Tesla. In the afternoon when I'm eating lunch, like, I'm reading about Tesla. So I don't, I don't even know, honestly. If I had to guess, you know, I'm probably still working most weeks, probably 60 to 80 hours, but it's stuff that I enjoy doing. Like yeah, I was already right. doing this stuff before I had any of- any of this, you know, it's different now that it is my job, but a lot of it I do still obviously enjoy. So I don't know if I was going to do a 10 minute episode end to end, like just the research, the recording, the video editing, the publishing, that's probably going to take at minimum best case six hours, maybe that's just like straight through. But in terms of just like getting the audio podcast in a video that probably ends up taking, I don't know, between like the time to export and upload probably a couple hours best case scenario if I'm doing just like a really quick edit. So, you know, you get done with your six hours of, of podcast and then it's like another two hours of like, oh, I just have to do this like annoying editing. So uh, <laughs> some people probably it, though, love your editing. Your YouTube channel is exploding, dude. <laughs> your YouTube channel is exploding. And like you said, I mean, the the idea of the algorithm to help and support you, this is non-existent in the world of audio podcasts. So super smart play to get onto YouTube. Plus there's a, a community there. People can chat. You can have conversations with people. This just doesn't exist on... Which is so the, frustrating. Like what is Apple doing? Why oh, are they, they have not, a chance. Like, I think Spotify is heading down that path, which is is great, but like, mm-hmm. oh, Apple just blew it. It's frustrating. Spotify definitely is taking over. And, <laughs> and of course, they just purchased the Joe Rogan podcast and also the video too. They're taking video into their platform as well. So it'll be interesting. I, I, I imagine one day we'll see, if not already, a Tesla Daily video on Spotify. 
Uh, yeah, which probably. Be, which will be really cool. One last quick thing I want to say about the editing. So sure. I, I did bring on an editor a few months ago to help me with this. So basically, as we do this sort of weird process that works for us, basically, as I'm recording, again, I'm a perfectionist. So I'm like pretty heavily editing these things as I mm-hmm. go. Probably a lot of people don't really realize that. But I'll send over chunks of the episode, like as I'm recording to him so he can start working on the edit. Because obviously, with a daily podcast, like we got to get this stuff out quickly. So he's kind of working simultaneously on adding the video as I'm working on like the latter half of the episode. So I'll send him, you know, three or four chunks of the episode and he'll just work on that simultaneously to me. And that's been, you know, hugely beneficial because then I have more motivation to have, you know, do spend more time doing research, spend more time actually talking on the podcast, the things that I'm really good at. Like I don't bring a lot of value from an editing perspective. I bring value from my research and from the things I'm talking about. So yeah, I would say anyone that's like in a position where they're like, "Mm, maybe I should have someone bring someone in to help me a little bit with something like go ahead and do it. Like you can always go back, but you're probably not going to want to. And it's probably going to make your business a lot better. It definitely has for me. So I think huge thank you to my editor for, for helping. (laughs) Thank you, editor. Uh, I can thank you as well. (laughs) What makes your Tesla information unique is just like you said, how deep you go into the research. There's a lot of great YouTube and also audio podcasts out there that talk about Tesla. And a lot of times you go into those videos and they're in the stock charts and they're showing wedges and megaphones and different stock prices and stuff. And you don't necessarily get into that. You get into the research and what is actually happening. And I, and I appreciate you for that. How do you do that kind of research? What is your method of the madness? How do you organize that? I think there's a lot of people out there who are also in love with companies in a similar way or other things and just would love to go deep, but just don't know how to organize that and turn that into content. How do you, how do you organize and make that research happen? Yeah. So for me, what I've, you know, a lot of it comes down to just having the experience. Like I've always been interested in business. I've always been interested in investing. I've got just a lot of natural knowledge in that space. And then that helps me contextualize everything that's going on with Tesla. So basically my entire process is just to read everything that I possibly can. Like I'm always, always, always reading stuff, not necessarily books, but just everything online, whether that's, you know, various different blogs that cover Tesla, whether it's different forums, whether it's, you know, Reddit, like I think Reddit is an amazing place just to get so many unique perspectives from so many different people that are, you know, specialists in all these different areas. Like there are so many engineers out there that, you know, have this knowledge of the company that I could never have myself because I just don't have that experience. Like I'm more of a business type of person, but I can do the research. Like I can, there's so many different YouTube videos out there that explain like how batteries work, how this technology works and, you know, aerodynamics of vehicles. Like you can, if you're motivated, there's resources. You just got to find them and, you know, take the time to learn. So that's what I'm always doing. Like I'm always just trying to get out there and read as much as I can, understand as much as I can and help again, just provide, because not everyone has, you know, eight hours a day to do research. So what I, I view my value is, is like, I'm going to go out there and do that research for you. And I'm going to share what I find. Like, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. And like, I don't care. I just want to get the facts out there to people so that they can be well-informed. And that's, you know, I think that's, when I when I think about like telling other people how I organize and how I, you know, approach my my podcast, it's like I just want to add value. And I think if you just focus on that, you're gonna be successful. Love it. And you had mentioned earlier it took you about a couple of years to get to the point where you started to feel like you're getting in this groove. And then of course now you've reached that inflection point and boom, exponential growth has been happening. And obviously Tesla's been growing itself as a company with doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, it obviously doesn't hurt at all. Um <laughs> 
how much pressure are you feeling now that you're where you're at and uh, you are a well-known name in the Tesla news space now? You're even getting onto news stations on television. You're having these verbal battles with bears and, and bears and bulls are, are, are sort of stock lingo for people who are in favor of the company growing, who are betting on, on the company winning, bears being, well, hey, this company's not going to do as well as we think. And you've been involved in those debates. And how much pressure are you feeling now with where you're at? And, and, and I know you didn't really expect this when you first started. Maybe you did, but here you are. You have this big name in the Tesla space now. Tell me about the pressure that you're feeling, if any. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> It's kind of nice to hear that question because I think you as a creator understand that. I think it's tough for people that don't necessarily create content to really understand that. Like this should be a dream job for me. Like no questions. Like I'm doing exactly what I want to do. This is like perfect. But there are days that still just suck. Like it just sometimes sucks. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) There, There is like, there is a lot of pressure, like especially with a daily podcast. Like I need to, every single day, like I got to deliver a great product. And if I don't, you know, the fear for me, which is probably not rational, but the fear is like, okay, if I have a bad episode, I'm going to lose people. Like there are going to be people that listen to that episode that don't like it and don't see value in it. And they're going to, maybe they don't unsubscribe or whatever, but they're just going to stop listening because it wasn't a valuable episode. And if you string a few of those together, you can be successful. And then that can all change extremely quickly. And, right, right. you know, I'm, I'm pretty aware of that. So like, yeah, it feels great to have a, a big audience, have a lot of engaged, active listeners, but, you know, that can all change really quickly. So for me, that pressure is there every single day to try to deliver something great. And and it's tough because, you know, not every day there's going to be news. So sometimes I have to, you know, make a pivot where I'm, instead of covering news, I'm doing something that's maybe a little bit more of an analytical deep dive. And, you know, maybe that takes a little bit more time and maybe I'm spending, mm-hmm. like there are days that I literally have published my, like I I wake up at, you know, maybe like nine or 10. I'm a night owl type of person, but work all day. And maybe I don't even get the episode out until 6am the next day. Like that's, that's the kind of time that it sometimes takes. And that's the the type of pressure. Like if I didn't feel a ton of pressure, I wouldn't be spending 20 hours on a single episode, but you know, sometimes, sometimes that is, and sometimes that is there. And again, maybe it's not the most rational point of view, but people have expectations of me and I, like, I don't want to let them down and it is pressure. It's so good. Do, like at the end you, of the day, it's good, but it is good. I mean, it's a wonderful problem to have if yeah, you will. Exactly. And again, I can't thank you enough for stepping up to do this. How do you fight through that pressure and perhaps that anxiety or that mental, sometimes blockages that can happen. I've gone through moments in my content creation career where I've just continued to level up to a point where I'm like, I can't do any better right now. How, how am I able to do this? Or if I might say something incorrect or the next one is not to that standard, then, you know, like you said, you might lose people or, or, or let people down. What keeps yeah, you, you going just feel anyway? bad about that. Yeah. Right, right. What keeps you going? I think it comes back to just like, you know, my goal is to help people stay informed. Like that's, that's really what I want. That's all I've ever really wanted. Like I never really had any aspirations of this being a business. Like I never advertised on the audio podcast even when it got big enough to the point where, you know, I could easily bring on advertisers. I still don't have ads in the audio podcast. And it's just like, why not? I don't really know. <laughs> like, I probably should have ads in the podcast, but like, it just for me somewhat dilutes what I'm trying to do, I guess. And it's, you know, I don't need to have them. So I don't have them. Again, it's probably stupid, but that was a sidetrack. What was the original question that you would ask? <laughs> How do you fight through the mental blockages that happen okay. with the pressure yeah. on you? So it's like the mission. So for me, it's just like, I want to help people stay informed. And if I have a down day where I'm not feeling motivated, that provides motivation. 
And I think secondarily to that is weirdly enough, me naming the podcast Tesla Daily has also been extremely motivating because I can't miss episodes because it's Tesla Daily. Like I, I already take the weekends off and people get mad. Like if I, if I miss a day, people get mad. Like there are so many reviews on iTunes or, you know, Apple podcasts saying that like this podcast, great, like five stars. I just wish it was like every day. Like, I'm like, come on. I do like 250 episodes a year. I miss like a week throughout the year, but you know, that is motivating. Like, I, I think if I hadn't named the podcast Tesla daily, like I probably wouldn't be able to find the strength to like do this every single day, but stuff like that, just, you know, it's frustrating and it yeah. in and of itself, it, it also motivates me. So I think that's smart. That's smart. Do you, so, so you don't regret naming it Tesla daily. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, it's been a positive thing. And I would say for content creators, like, you know, consistency and frequency, I think I'm sure you talk about this all the time, but those are, you know, two, two huge elements. If you can be consistent, you can be frequent, you know, the more episodes you put out, the more opportunity someone's going to have to see them, more opportunity they're going to have to subscribe. Obviously don't sacrifice the quality of the content for that. But yeah, if you can have that consistency and frequency, it's, it's going to go a long way for you. Thank you for that. So this is your business now. And we've talked about what you've done to create content and to build this audience. But tell me more about the actual business part of the business. Revenue, be as open as you'd like. You don't have to share anything that you don't want to. But tell us, where's where's the income coming in from and, and, and how's it going? Yeah. So like I said, originally, like it was just an audio podcast, just kind of doing it for, you know, for myself and a few mm-hmm. listeners. And I became familiar with the website Patreon. So that's just a recurring subscription, you know, monthly sort of like support website that listeners can go to and sign up. From the start, I'd created that again with the hopes of eventually just like maybe earning a few hundred dollars a month from that to offset like a payment on a Tesla. (laughs) So that was sort of the original just like, you know, ideal state. But yeah, I never did ads. So over time, I just sort of continued to get more and more people that were willing to support what I'm doing, which I think, again, comes back to just, you know, really having that mission focus and really trying to provide value. I think a lot of people respect that. A lot of people want to support people like that because we live in a day and age where everything is like, it's so clickbaity and just like mm-hmm. focused on getting attention versus providing value. So I really wanted to be like the antithesis of, of that model where, you know, I don't really care about the attention. I just want to provide value and see if that sort of works for me. And I think that has resonated with a lot of people in, in my audience to say like, yes, we want to see sort of this change too. So up until I went full-time, you know, 100% of my revenue was just from Patreon. Like, that's it. So I was making less than, I don't know, probably like $1,500 a month when I decided to go full-time from the podcast. So, you know, not a lot. And just from listener support, though. And, you know, I knew worst case, like, okay, I can put some ads in the podcast and maybe I can squeak by here. So when I went full-time, you know, I told people this, like, if there's ever been a time where I need support, like this is it, like I'm taking a risk. I just want you to take like a small step with me here for this like giant leap that I'm taking. And overnight, like the Patreon support tripled. And then it's like, like I can make not overnight, but within a couple of days. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, all right, this is actually something I can do now. Like this is real. This can be a full-time thing. And like, I'm so thankful and so fortunate to have an audience that has been so supportive of me. And I think the reason that is, is because, you know, up to that point, like it was two years straight of me just delivering daily value with, with really asking for nothing and not pushing anything on my audience. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just built up that relationship, built up that respect, built up that trust with my audience. And then when I needed support, they were there for me. So 
that model is not going to work for everyone. I don't have anything in particular against ads or anything like that. Like, again, I probably shouldn't just be doing that. I don't think people really care that much, but for me, it was just a choice I made of like, okay, I just want to, just want to focus on this and not distract myself with trying to, because once you introduce ads, you start caring about like your clicks and your downloads and stuff like that. It just yep. sort of changes things a little bit. And I've seen that to some extent with YouTube. Like I try to avoid all that as much as I can, but it does, you know, it does influence you, unfortunately. So, but yeah, since then taking it full time, I started YouTube. So now I earn money on, I do have YouTube ads on. So like the, you know, be or the, the intro ads and some mid roll ads and stuff. But yeah, so n- now it's just revenue from, from Patreon and revenue from the YouTube ads. And, and that's kind of it right now. That's fantastic. What you had just shared is a classic example of what Gary calls jab, 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 right hook. You've been jabbing for so long, you finally had that ask and it wasn't a hard ask at all. People were more than happy to support you, which is really cool. So thank you for sharing that. Um, And it it took time. And I think that's what a lot of people need to hear is some of this stuff takes time. It takes time to become that expert in a person's eyes or build that relationship online. And this is just a perfect example of that. Might you entertain a couple scenarios and I want you to walk me through how you react in these certain scenarios. I just want to get inside your mind a little bit with relation to the content and sort of how you do what you do, if you don't mind. Is that cool? Yep, sounds good. Okay, so scenario number one, Rob. (laughs) Elon, who we all know is a genius, but also kind of crazy sometimes, especially on Twitter. He says random things at random times. You know, it's, it's 10 p.m., you're thinking of going to bed, you've finally put that final note into your podcast, it's gonna come out soon. And then all of a sudden, Elon tweets something about something that's happening or something that's being revealed. There's some really interesting piece of information that just like, you know, people need to know about. What do you do? Yeah, so that's definitely occurred. <laughs> I know. <laughs> on on a few different occasions. The most recent example, I think, was like, I don't know, it was probably like 10 or 11 in the morning or something. And Elon, during market hours, tweeted, stock price too high, in my opinion. I'm like, oh, great. Like, great. <laughs> Which I don't mind. Like I'm a long-term investor. I don't really care about like the day-to-day fluctuations, but you know, right, right. a lot of my audience, you know, maybe some of them care a little bit more. So some are, like, some okay, are traders like, were, were investors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I still want to, you know, this is not like an urgent thing, but a lot of people are going to be wondering about this. Like what, why would he say that? What's going on here? So in that situation, it's just like, all right, I got to get an episode out as fast as I can again to just like try and provide context and help people understand this. Because for me, following Tesla, like for as long as I have, you know, almost eight years now, I've actually seen Elon do this so many other times in the past. So I I have that in my head of like, oh, this is nothing new. But a lot of people, newer investors in Tesla or newer people to the company, which there are a lot of, don't really have that context. So I just immediately started, you know, going back to Google and just like putting time filters on it of like Elon saying something similar. I just pull all these different examples, like seven or eight different examples of when Elon has said the stock price is too high. And then we fast forward to today and like the stock price is way, way higher. So it's like, even if Elon says that, like, it's okay. It doesn't mean you need to sell your stock. Like he's talking in a very short time horizon, but he always at the end of the day comes back to like, yeah, Tesla's really high right now, but you know, in a few years, it's the stock price is probably going to be higher. Like that's what he ends up saying. So do you drop everything you're doing to now talk about this? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it depends on like, I guess the the severity, for lack of a better word, of what's, sure. what's happening. Um, but at the same time for me, like I'm not focused on, if I don't need to get something out super quickly, like for my audience, I'm not super focused on like being the first to r- report on something. Like that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm 
I'm there to provide the context and the analysis on stuff. Like I'm not there to break news. So yeah, it's helpful for me from like a YouTube view perspective if I can get something out more quickly. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter too much. Like I'm I'm there to, you know, provide context, help people understand things. And if that happens a few hours later, it's okay. So sometimes I do have to like shut myself off a little bit and say like, all right, well, we'll get to this tomorrow. Cool. Thank you for that, Rob. Scenario number two, you pop a video on YouTube. It's really great. People are loving it. But then you start to hear some noise in the comment section and even people on Twitter or what have you start to take that very bearish stance or even sort of a troll-like positioning against your work or against just the news that most bulls will consider. How do you take emotion out of the equation for certain things like this? Or do you? Or, or, or how important is that to you? The thing I like about you, not that I don't like the others who talk, I love solving the money problem with Stephen Mark Ryan and he's funny and he's witty and he just like drops F-bombs all the time. That's like- Different vibes. Cool. <laughs> Different vibes for sure. Yeah. But you can tell his emotion is very much into it. He'll actually have videos where he's responding to somebody saying something. He's like, come on. Like he, he just gets really into it, right? Versus you, you always have this sort of stoic, but very informational position, but do you get emotional? Do you get upset? Do you, do you, does your blood boil sometimes? And how do you continue the path? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, everybody has different personalities, different dispositions. It's kind of funny because, you know, my natural disposition is, is hyper-rational and that can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. Not to say that I don't have emotions. Like I definitely have emotions and somewhat strong emotions that a lot of times I don't necessarily let that pass through the filter of the microphone and the video, but Right, right. Behind the scenes, they're there. But I've actually, you know, back in, in my career in corporate retail, like that's a a very emotional sort of, you know, culture in that space. And there were so many times in my career where I was actually criticized for, you know, being, you know, lacking passion because mm-hmm. I just wasn't showing it like on the surface. And it was always so frustrating for me because it's like, I am so passionate about this. Like if I could just, if you could just be you know, inside my head and understand like my actual feelings, you'd understand that like, I'm extremely motivated, extremely passionate about this, but just because I'm not sitting there and like in your face, like super excited and yelling about it doesn't mean I'm any less passionate than someone sitting next to me doing the same thing. It's just a different expression of your feelings and your emotions. So I don't know, in my career, I was just always extremely frustrated by that. And I do think to some extent it it held me back. I think for everyone, you know, whatever position you're in, it can either be an extreme positive or extreme negative, just depending on the circumstances. But yeah, for me, it's just sort of my natural disposition and how I just approach things is try to just be as rational and as calm. And, you know, especially from an investor perspective, like those traits are, you know, you kind of need to have those. So that's why I try to carry through. Cool. Thank you for that. I have two more questions for you. I know you're a busy guy, obviously, and I'm like almost feeling bad that I'm taking your time because I know that you have other things to do. But no, this uh, is this is a dream actually for me to be on this podcast. Like it's we were talking a little bit before. It's kind of surreal because again, I you know listen to you before even starting all this stuff, and it's just like for anyone in the audience that is in that circumstance, like thinking about maybe oh maybe I should start this thing. Like just do the thing. The worst you can yeah. do is fail, but like just do it, and maybe you end up on SPI someday. Like I never thought I would. And now I'm here. It's just weird. Here you are, man, dude. I'm, it's such a pleasure for me. This is this is cool to talk to you. And I, I hope more people watch this because this is going to be, or watch or listen, because this is going to help a lot of people. I think people will hear the real story behind the overnight success that you've had. I've had some people share that about you. Like, wow, this guy, Rob, just came out of nowhere. No, you didn't. Like you've been at this for a while. And yeah. that's the truth. Question number one here relates to the community 
of YouTubers and other Tesla creators and, and uh, everybody from Hyperchange to Stephen Mark Ryan to just all, all of you. Like, how are you, if at all, involved in that community? Do you have like mastermind meetings with them? Like, I'm just like, I always wonder, like, do you guys like meet each week and like talk about like who's doing what or like, how do you, how do you get involved in the community if at all? And what's it like to be in that community? I'm curious. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think Tesla has a huge community on Twitter, on YouTube more so recently. Like there are definitely a lot of people out there putting out amazing content on Tesla. And I think, you know, a few years ago, it wasn't really that way, but Tesla has kind of exploded and just captivated so many different people now that there is that huge, massive community. And that's, you know, it's been building up for years. There's always been people out there that have been extremely passionate. But for me, I don't know, I'm naturally more introverted. Like I've never been the type to be out there and, you know, just be engaging with everyone. I'm just kind of, you know, here doing my research and putting out what I think is hopefully helpful content. And that's sort of been my focus more so than trying to, you know, build my audience through networking and going on a lot of other podcasts and things like that. Like that's, that's a great path too. It's just, you know, I think everyone has to kind of figure out what works for them. So yeah, I'm definitely active in those communities. Uh, We don't, you know, we don't have like mastermind groups, but I would say Gowie in particular, he's been, you know, super helpful having me on the Hyperchange channel, you know, a few years back, like we always talk about Tesla and stuff. And so definitely check out, you know, Hyperchange. He does a great job too. And we, you know, we've met up at events and stuff and there's always, you know, a group of people there that it's fun to see and fun to talk to. They all have similar sort of perspectives and experiences to you. So it's, that is one of the nice things about, you know, doing this as a job is like all the, all the connections and cool people you get to meet through, through the process. For sure. Big shout out to Dave Lee on investing as well. He's, yeah. he's big into the Tesla space too. And, and I've gotten to connect with him on his stream and, and, and his channel. It's just so interesting to see everybody's different style. Like Galley's so like hyper is the right word for him in terms of his brand, brand and who, yeah, who yeah. he is. It's just amazing. And then we have Stephen Mark Ryan and, and Dave's a little bit more analytical as well and, and definitely more into the stocks and just investing practices in general. You with a deep research. And that's the cool thing that I've learned about any niche, any community, you can find the good people and connect with them and network. And that that can just add a whole level of flavor to the work that you do. And it brings a level of excitement. The final question I have for you, I'm just curious, since starting Tesla Daily, what has been the coolest thing that's happened so far as a result of starting your work? For me, it's just been the ability to kind of like go to the Tesla events and see them in person. So like the Cybertruck event, you know, I think a lot of people are familiar with that where, you know, Tesla's chief designer throws that steel ball against the window and shatters. Shatters, yeah. <laughs> Did you get like special access because you are quote unquote press? Like that they, they give you special access because of no, the, t- the podcast or not anything, you know, not anything like that, but just having the and I actually the only reason I was able to make that Cybertruck event was because well, actually the the first event that I went to was the Model Y unveiling. And the only reason I was able to actually go to that event, which was like back in March 2018, I want to say, maybe 2019, mm-hmm. was because one of my listeners had like an extra invitation. So through my audience, yeah, through my audience, rather than through Tesla, (laughs) I was able to actually go to an event. And I think the audience also, you know, I've connected with so many different people that are just listeners that, you know, have really cool backgrounds, cool experience that are super interesting people to talk to and people to know. So that's a nice thing about it. And then just in terms of the Tesla events, like being able to be there and experience some of those things in person has been really cool. You know, I've gotten to meet some of the executives at Tesla. I haven't, haven't met Elon yet, unfortunately, but hopefully someday. But yeah, just having having that experience. And again, that does come back a little bit to sort of the community, just from whether that's, you know, 
people at Tesla being aware of what I'm doing, people in the audience that, you know, maybe they're in the investing space and they can help me learn a little bit more about how all that works. Cause like, I'm just a guy from Iowa, like no, <laughs> no really connection to wall street, you know, growing up other than just my interest in, in it. So it's just, it's cool to have some different exposure to like a lot of these different things. That's awesome. Might you be able to finish off with a tip for the content creators that are listening to this, who are inspired to go out and, and, and go deep with a topic. What piece of advice would you offer those newbies out there or those who are still a little bit in the early growth phases of their business? For sure. I was going to say like your example of how there's all these different creators in the Tesla space. Like you might look at that and be like, oh, like that's saturated, but everyone has their own sort of unique approach and everyone like there's always opportunity to look at something from a different perspective. So don't be discouraged. I would say if there's, if there's other people doing like what you want to do, just go out there and do it and try to find a way that you can either do it better or do it differently. But if you really want to be in a space, like just get in the space and do it. Like that's what, that's what I would say. And I think the Tesla, you know, YouTube, Twitter space is like a great example of that. There's just so many different creators out there doing it and people watch all of us. Like you watch, you watch all of us. People want to hear different people's perspectives. So there's always, there's always opportunity. You just got to find like a, a sort of different way to, to approach things. So that's what I would say. The, the big things is like Nike, just do it. Like stop thinking about what you're doing. Like I set up a podcast in 48 hours. You can too, you know, you can set up a YouTube channel in literally a day. Like it doesn't take long. So get off the fence, start creating. Don't worry about stuff. Like you're going to improve over time. It's going to suck at first. You're probably going to hate it. But if you stick with it, you know, it's probably going to take you to a, to a good place. Dude, so good. Thank you so much. And I've been trying hard not to start my Tesla channel because I know I don't need that right <laughs> Except now. Except for you, Pat. Stay away. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Rob, dude, this has been such a pleasure. Where can people go and listen and or watch you? Yeah, so the YouTube channel is just called Tesla Daily. So you can just search for it there. Otherwise, any podcast platform will have it. The other thing I would say, I do write a column at thestreet.com for Tesla. So if you don't have 10 minutes a day to watch a video and you just kind of want to get the the summary of the day in like, you know, a minute or two. I do have a column there at thestreet.com slash Tesla. So you can find me there too. And on Twitter yes. at Tesla Podcast. Tesla Podcast. That's what we talk about. Rob, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you. Thanks for all the hard work. Thank you personally for what you do as well. And uh, I'm sure to represent the audience, thank you for sharing how you do what you do too. Appreciate yeah, it. Likewise, Pat, all the same comments to you. Appreciate all the work you've done. Thank you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rob from Tesla Daily. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 455, you get all the links to all of Rob's stuff and everything that we talked about today. Of course, we'd love to hear from you as well if you're happening to be on Twitter or Instagram at the moment, at Pat Flynn and at Tesla Daily on Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to say hello to you. Just hear what you thought about the episode. And Rob, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for all the hard work that you put into this. Like I said, you've had a significant impact on the retail investing side of my life. So I appreciate you for that and keep up the good work. I'm here for you. If you need anything, let me know. And for you, the listener, if you need anything, let me know. I appreciate you. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, especially if you're brand new, come in perhaps from Rob's audience and wanna know more about investing in your future, not necessarily through retail investing in the stock market, but through investing in yourself, in businesses, in creating something that could serve others later and can continue to work for you over time in a way that you can also invest your time and money to help grow your future too. So 
hit that subscribe button. Thanks so much. We got a great lineup here in 2021 for all of you who are listening to the show. And be sure to check out my other podcast too. There's likely another episode for you to check out there as well. You could look it up. It's called Ask Pat, where I do a coaching call with an entrepreneur just like you. So I recommend you subscribe to that one too if you haven't already. Thank you so much for today. And I look forward to serving you next week. Cheers, take care. And as always, Team Flynn for the win. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there, because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.